You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm teaming up with the website Rewire.news to explore the intersection of their work and mine on a brand new podcast called Get It Right. On Get It Right, we explore pop culture through the lens of justice, and particularly reproductive justice. I'll be talking to critics and creators about comics, movies, TV, music, anything is fair game. You can find it now on iTunes or Stitcher to search for Get It Right or Rewire. Give it a listen and drop us a review with any ideas for what you'd like to hear us cover. See you soon. I'm Gugu Mbarsavua, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. I'm Hannah B. Clare, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Tessa Thompson, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Hi, guys, I'm John Boyega, and you're now listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Enjoy. Black Girls Rock. I'm Marcus Scribner from Blackish, and you're listening to Black Girl Nerds. I'm Tracy Heather Strain. Director of Sighted Eyes Feeling Heart, the first featured documentary about Lorraine Hansberry, and you're listening to me on Black Girl Nerds Podcast. of the Black Girl Nerds podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. So I recently had the opportunity to check out HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook and enjoy your meal. They give you three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family. And each of these boxes are made up of fresh, wholesome ingredients from carefully selected family farms and high-rated trusted sources. I tried the toasty pesto gnocchi, and if you haven't had that meal, you should check it out. It comes with green beans, sun-dried tomatoes, mushrooms, and a Parmesan cheese topping, and it is delicious. It only took 30 minutes for me to make, and that included prep time as well as cooking time. That's how fast it was for me to put this together. I literally just took the green beans and the sun-dried tomatoes and the mushrooms, which were already cut up, and threw them in the pan, let it simmer, and boom, it was done. So check out HelloFresh. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash nerds30 and enter the promo code nerds30. That's HelloFresh.com forward slash Nerds30 and enter the promo code Nerds30 for $30 off your first order. And trust me, when you decide to order, check out the Toasty Pesto Gnocchi because it was good. HelloFresh.com forward slash Nerds30.
episode 142 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast features the following. A breakdown of Avengers Infinity War featuring Devet and Shanae. They talk about the movie and they go in. And on the second segment, the new horror film, Hereditary, comes out in theaters nationwide on June 8th. Director Ari Aster and cast members Millie Shapiro and Alex Wolf sit down to talk about one of the most terrifying films that you will see this year. And the final segment is a press roundtable with the cast of Fear the Walking Dead, featuring Andrew Chambliss, Ian Goldberg, Jenna Elfman, Maggie Grace, Coleman Domingo, and Danae Garcia. Thanks again for tuning in to the Black Girl Nerds podcast, episode 142. Cool. All right. So I'll start over. (laughs) Okay. Hello, everyone. And welcome to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. I am Shanae and I'm here with... Devette. Hi, everybody. Hi. And let's go ahead and get the elephant out of the room first. We are not... (laughs) Elephant is in the room. You can't get the elephant out of the room. You just have to address it. You have to address it. Hi, Uh, elephant. (laughs) We're here. And the elephant being that we're not your usual podcast hosts uh mm-hmm. you know changes have been happening here at bgn mm-hmm. and <laughs> they pulled us from the bench deep uh, <laughs> been yeah. not not exactly second string yeah Listen, we believe in black girl nerds and we believe in sort of providing you guys with content so we're here to um pick up where the other amazing ladies who are doing the podcast left off and we're just gonna do it right i guess that's all there is to say about that uh and once again thanks to the great team that was here before wishing them all the best in their future endeavors as people say so yes and we'll and we're just gonna see how this goes and we just knew that we had to talk about Infinity War, which I hope everybody's okay. Um, <laughs> is everybody okay? Uh, is really? everybody okay? Come on. <laughs> it's so funny. Right. Um, you know, everybody leaving the the um, theater just has this look on their face that's yeah. just, oh my god. <laughs> what Dead silence happened? during the credits yeah. for the most part. Um, everybody's like, what? So I guess uh, we. This will have some spoilers. I don't think we're yeah. going to like spoilers. totally spoil yeah. it, but I don't think you can really talk about it without yeah, doing I some spoilerage. I think we should do just like a blanket spoilers. Yes. So if you have not um, watched the movie, uh, please don't listen to this. Um, and try. And I mean, what is it like? Over six hundred million people saw it, so I feel like most of you guys <laughs> didn't. But I think everybody who was <laughs> intending on seeing it has probably right. like really, you know, has seen it at least once. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure that most people have seen it twice. Yeah, um, we both have seen it twice. So. Yeah, we've seen it twice. I intend on seeing it again. Um, and uh, yeah, it's yeah. So, all right, I guess we just jump right in. Um, yeah. Janae. <laughs> so I guess, let's start with... Um, Okay, so maybe let's give our overall impressions of the film first, and then maybe we can dig into negatives and positives if you have them. So my overall impressions of the film is I, you know what? (laughs) You know what? It's interesting because um, 
I still feel like I'm processing. Like I saw the movie again to prepare for this podcast. And it's such an, it's such a unique experience because it's such a, it's not what we're used to feeling or experiencing when we see a Marvel movie, right? right like we're not, right. like one of the big jokes about these movies is that nothing ever feels like it's a big deal. Right. Um, I would say that this is across the board. Everything kind of resolves itself really nicely. Mm-hmm. The villains themselves aren't that scary. Even if they're good, you know, you never feel like they are not going to be beaten by the superhero. So I think part of my sort of like, what is just kind of <laughs> feeling like I don't understand how to watch a movie, a Marvel movie that is like this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think that's valid. I, I, I can, um, I know I, I went in with different expectations also. And, um, I also though, except for the very first teaser trailer that came out i made a point to see absolutely nothing else i wanted to be totally taken by surprise and i was um absolutely but yeah i mean we're used to like ta-da our heroes triumph at the end ta-da you know it's gonna be great we're moving on to the next film and we see another hero triumph ta-da um this was not so much that, no. <laughs> not at all. I would say so. no, not at all. <laughs> well, although, you know, we're, we, you know, in the grander scheme of things, I mean, we know that more movies are coming and, yeah. um, uh, more of our heroes who we thought we might not, you know, if, Otherwise, we might not see again. We think uh, we know that they have movies coming. So, um, yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, doesn't. The impact is there, but it is lessened uh, a little bit, I think, with that with that knowledge. Plus, everybody knows, uh, you know, it's like when people go away, they come back and comics, they come back and soap operas. This is a little bit of both. So, yeah. It is oh my God, very opera. And so, yeah, so I think that for me, I haven't gotten to the point where I love the movie yet. I feel like it's one of those things where, first of all, I think it's a, an achievement what they were able to do. How many characters? There's so many people oh in God. this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 30? And <laughs> I don't know. There, yeah, I mean, like, just when you look at the, uh, I guess, the photos I saw from the press junket, and not everyone was even there. There's, like, there, what you say, there's like three rows of them. It's just people upon people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think overall, like, and we'll go into details about the second, I feel like I've accepted the film and <laughs> have accepted it <laughs> into my life. Um, but <laughs> it's a part of it, I guess. But, um, I haven't gotten to the point where I love it. I respect Mm -hmm. it more than I love it. But I think that maybe with another watch or two, I might like it more. But again, it could just be trauma. You know what I mean? Just sort of... (laughs) <laughs> it's just sort of like what is happening you know yeah. so anyway give your overall thoughts and then we'll go into detail yeah i think um I, i'm having a, maybe an easier time processing it because i uh, this is interesting almost most of the marvel films kind of fit into a particular kind of mold for me but there have been those marvel films 
films that have stood have you know they stand out from the group and they become something else so um if you look at like for me iron man was something different it was a um it was the beginning of everything it was it was let's take superhero movies seriously um Mm -hmm. and it was like it was I mean, I remember just wanting to almost stand up and cheer at the end of it. It was like, such yeah, it's my different. favorite. And I just, yeah. kept, I was thinking about it for weeks going, oh my God, this changes everything. And it really did. And so there was that one kind of setting the tone. And then you had um, Civil, uh, not Civil War, um, Winter Soldier, which became, was another thing. It was like, it was political intrigue. It was, um, it was a cut above in terms of drama, in terms of like real story. And, you know, right. it took everything that we knew and about the Marvel franchise at that point and kind of expanded it a little more. It became uh, more serious. It had more weight and it was just freaking well done. I mean, just yeah, I mean, just amazing. And still, then, it's mm-hmm. yeah, definitely one of the best, probably right. top two, yeah, right. in the and universe. Then, yeah, and then we had Black Panther, which again, it it shifted things. It became it was uh, more social minded. It was it was more uh, socially minded, not social, but it had it really addressed issues that you know. Uh, Maybe not all Marvel fans or comic book fans dealt with, but certainly a huge portion of it. And I think it it made them like, hey, this exists in this universe also. In the Marvel universe, these issues are there and they affect our heroes. And so I think that was that was an amazing thing to take, you know, to combine social commentary uh, to of those particular issues and on the superhero movie and then you get that uh this amazing piece and then we come to infinity wars now to me this is and i i did a review you can read it on black girl nerds uh and it's entitled avengers uh, infinity infinity war this is war and to me it was kind of like the culmination of all of these commentaries in one way or another on war and this took it in a different direction. It wasn't just bombs and fighting and good guys versus bad guys. It was love, sacrifice, um, that kind of, that part of war. And so we hadn't seen that. We kind of had a taste of it, I think, with, um, um, was it Civil Wars? <laughs> See, I'm getting the titles mixed up. Where they took the city up in the air and dropped it. That was uh, Ultron. Um, Ultron. Ultron, yeah. So mm-hmm. we kind of had a taste of it with that. We kind of had another taste of it with Civil Wars. But this one, we actually kind of s- we see what people go through in war. We, we fight for what we love. We fight for who we love. We sacrifice for ourselves. We sacrifice even sometimes those we love for a greater good. So all of that was like in this, and it was a totally different type of Marvel film to me. So I love that kind of thing. So my overall impression is like, I know I've talked a lot, but this is, I love something (laughs) where you just like, wow, that hasn't happened before. And that's what I got from, from infinity war. Yeah. And I, and I agree with a lot of that. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that what I responded to the best about the film was stakes because Marvel movies are sorely lacking in stakes. You know, I think that's the, one of the things that 
has always been an issue with these movies is that you just they just kind of except for the ones you mentioned, you know, Winter mm-hmm. Soldier, especially where you just mm-hmm. feel like um, there's nothing at risk. And then also the villain problem. Like, I mm-hmm. think a lot of that is wrapped around how the villain problem, we're slowly solving it. And this is sort of really we finally have a villain that's formidable, that's actually scary, that we feel like we don't know what he's going to do in any second, who's really focused um, and isn't as silly. And one right. of the things that I remember this is to the good or the bad, whatever about Marvel. But one of the critiques I've had with, for Mar- about Marvel, which Black Panther kind of took care of some of this because Ryan Coogler is an incredibly earnest filmmaker, yes. is the fact that with um, everything came with a wink. And this is going to be really controversial mm. because me, me and Javette are not big Ragnarok fans. Um, <laughs> Don't, no. I mean, don't add us. Don't add us. I Listen, it, <laughs> that's another it conversation. Funny. It just, it's yeah, funny. Yeah. But one of the issues we have with some of the Marvel movies is that every impactful moment comes with a joke or comes with a wink. And they haven't been able to keep the balance of having that wink and that joke and having the emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. And this is the first movie I felt like they really kind of balanced that in the best way where you did have comedy. Like I did laugh, but also um, the directors really allowed those emotional moments to land without telling about them, which I think really, especially it's the most, to me, it seems like to me, it's the most successful. I don't know. It definitely, it's more successful than Ultron, but Mm. I think, I would have to go back and watch the original Avengers again. But as far as that, I think it's the most successful because you know, Joss Whedon, he he has said this. He's like, you can have a moment, but for God's sake, put a joke behind it. That's like yeah, his, his methodology thing. and mm-hmm. it's his thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I feel like the Russo brothers who I love, I think they're great directors. They're the only people who could have managed to do this. I don't know anybody else who could have done this. Did such a great job of making it to where these moments really stuck. And I thought that that was like a real achievement of this film of like, Mm -hmm. okay, you're going to let this hang there. And I remember earlier on, I was waiting for the jokes and they Mm -hmm. didn't happen. And even though we still had jokes, but they weren't at the expense of really emotional moments, which yeah, I thought was it lets you really experience that moment. And then if there was a joke, it was quick, it was done, it was forgotten. You know, we had our laugh and we moved on. It was, it really was. I hadn't really thought about that, um, really. But yeah, I, I was really grateful for that because I think um, one of the, I mean, you know, I'm just going to kind of, go back to Ragnarok for a moment. One of the things that I thought was really interesting about the film was like, yes, it was very funny. Um, and it had some great moments, but then there was some like really dramatic moments that were just completely, um, yeah. I mean, you know, the death of your father kind of thing. It was like, yeah, and your sister were, yeah, trying to you kill know, you. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. That kind of, I mean, it just got lost and it was just given kind of a, a, a quick look. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to deal with this now. OK, now back to the jokes. And again, still very funny. I liked it, but I just felt like um, it was kind of awkward. Those moments when you had the drama uh, kind of dropped in there and there was so yeah. much. I mean, there was really a lot of drama, but it just nobody really talks about it because, of course, that wasn't the point of the film. And I, and I recognize right. that. They wanted that levity. They wanted that level of, you know, 
laughter and fun and like and Thor, the Thor movies have always been that way. Like I always say that they're like the com- almost it's weird because the first two movies people, I mean, obviously they're like kind of like the whatever, but I remember the first Thor being kind of funny too. Cause it's like the Thor character is kind of funny. Is so funny. Yeah. I kind of get, and, um, you know, he's such a gifted comedic actor, actor, Chris Hemsworth is. So, I mean, why not? And maybe we can sort of take this opportunity to kind of get into some of like our favorite, like who do you feel like really stood out as far as um, in this cast and with their performances in this movie? Let's talk about that. Oh, well, okay. Uh, I mean, uh, easily. I mean, even though this is the first time we've seen him full fleshed, uh, Josh Brolin, just oh my gosh. Wow. He did. That was freaking amazing what he was able to accomplish. And when you look at it, it's a study in um minimal minimalism, I suppose, in terms of acting. It's just it's and I know that yes, I understand that there's CGI overlay to a certain extent, but that was a performance that he was doing. And yeah, his yeah. expressions, his uh, quiet moments were just really beautiful. And I mean, this was his, this was his movie. This was, you know, it was Thanos's movie. Really a Thanos movie. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, as far as, you know, that, then as far as our, uh, just our regular crew, our heroes, you know, it's hard to pick one because, there's so I mean you know it's so many of them yeah there's it necessitates being like small uh you know limited amount of minutes given to each performance but um I'm gonna have to go with um uh Spider-Man with um yeah little guy Tom Holland is just a revelation you know I I think I talked about this in if, if people don't I actually am from the YouTube channel so me and my friend Liz do videos over there so you can go watch them but um we just talked about how we don't have, like, we don't see, like, he's like a superstar. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he was on the screen with all these people who are, like, big actors. And he mm-hmm. just, as soon as you see him, your eyes go directly to him because he's just yeah. such a superstar. And he's the best spider. He's, like, perfect at it. Yes. Like, just embodying it, the way he stands. Like, mm-hmm. there's this really great moment that I noticed this morning where, you know, t- uh, Tony does this joke and he's like, you're an Avenger now. And, like, the look on his face. Like, he's so proud. He's and like, like, for minutes, it's like, he, he does everything. He goes, shock, happiness, pride. It just, like, yeah, goes across his face. Yeah. And it's so subtle, but so beautiful. Oh, my so God. Good. Yes. He's so good. Yeah, and, like, he and he's so young. Can you imagine what he's going to be like at, like, 30 um, or 40? He's just amazing. So I can't well, believe he's so good at I'm this age. I'm so. good that he stays, you know, I know. on the... Because really, as far as a young, say no to drugs, Tom. Say no to drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Because seriously, I mean, you know, you really haven't seen a young actor with that kind of range, really, to me, since um, River Phoenix. I thought that I really liked Doctor Strange, actually. Yes. Yeah. Um, Because I, you know, that movie, I mean. Listen, no, <laughs> I'm not going to get into it, but um, I know what you're he saying, was great though. in this. He's, he's great in this, like yes. the energy. And I thought that he was going to be awkward with them, but he fits right in. You mm-hmm. could tell Benedict Cumberbatch really kind of unlocked um, 
Because in the movie, he seemed he seemed really unsure of like how he wanted to approach Doctor Strange. Like, how douchey should I go? Like, where should I? You know? Yeah. But like, he like really locked in and understood like the self righteousness. You know what I mean? And like how because the danger is when you get Doctor Strange and Tony Stark together that they're gonna kind of just <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be overkill. Gonna be just, you know, sandwich. Like... Yeah, I'm just like wow. I feel mm-hmm. like, but you no. know. But no, it was just like the perfect balance and they worked off each other really well. I also thought that um, um, Robert Downey Jr. really brought it this movie because I feel yeah. like um, in the past he's been kind of phoning it in, but like his performance was really convincing. And also the action that he got, he got the best action of everybody. One of my criticisms of the movies that I feel like the action scenes were actually like, I just felt like there wasn't enough of a, like a signature focus really great action scene but um the action scene between um thanos and like team space i like call them team space and i i I love yeah like i know that um wakanda like obviously my heart is with wakanda but i felt like team space had the better story they had the best the better action scenes and the better chemistry between the characters was team space so i really liked um Tony Stark, I thought he really brought it. I really liked, and I liked, I liked that group. I liked that group. And um, I also, I mean, I guess I'm saying everybody, but I also (laughs) really um, liked Chris Pratt, even though I was so annoyed with him. Like, I was just like, boy, get your, but like, I felt like he, uh, we also, I mean, listen, don't come for us Marvel fans. We are not Guardians of the Galaxy 2 fans either. Um, not at all. I hate to say that, but isn't that... No, isn't it interesting? It's that you're saying it's like, again, I didn't I didn't enjoy Guardians 2. And I did, I thought Chris Chris Pratt's wasn't quite there for he that wasn't, role. He wasn't bringing you know? it. But was like, this one. Yeah, yeah he, he was he was back. You know, he, he was, totally tuned back into his character. Mm-hmm. It was like the because, guys, do you remember how much of a revelation he was in in Guardians of the Galaxy yes. 1? Uh, and he really it's like everybody I feel like everybody really except for I guess we'll talk about team Wakanda but like I feel yeah. like everybody yeah. in the space team I think they really used this new environment to really kind of up their game I feel the same way about Thor I thought Chris Hemsworth yes. also I was reinvigorated from Thor Ragnarok and he really understands his character in a way that he hadn't in the last couple of movies. I, he looks amazing. I was like, okay, God. daddy. <laughs> yeah. The scene what was it like, like an angel? Yeah. Like, yes. He's like a pirate and an angel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. And Drax. Oh my God. Drax <laughs> yes. is the best. Oh, he's so good. Drax goes without saying he's always the best. I know she's not a fan favorite. Uh, I mean, uh, but I really uh, did like Black Widow. I thought that interesting. She, yeah, because I mean, it. I think that you walk a, a line with her. I think it's funny. It's like I think people blame her for what, even though it's not. It wasn't her. Uh, was in Ultron with that whole storyline. Oh yeah. I think a lot of people like project their unhappiness with that storyline onto her. And, um, and then I know that there are people who maybe not that crazy about the actress. I'm not one of them. I actually like her. Um, but I think that her character is again, a lot of them have just kind of matured. It's like, you see the years on them and she just has, there was just this 
there's a warmth to the character that was not there. So when we first are introduced to her, she really is a cold, you know, yeah. really, you know, and there's there's always some questions about her motivations and her loyalties and everything. Here, it's like she has resolved, you know, she's come to a place in her life where she is like, I'm going to do what's right. I'm always going to do what right what's right mm-hmm. now, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think she wears that in this film. That's interesting because I was going to say that she was definitely somebody I feel like she looks good and I feel like her look yeah, and her great. carry mm-hmm. says all that but I don't know if I got it in her performance but I also <laughs> think though that she does seem the most comfortable she's ever been being Black yeah. Widow in this movie yeah. um, she seems to really I think everybody seemed to really like the direction this film went and like mm-hmm. even but you know who like I guess I would love to shift to see like who I felt like really was phoning it in this um, with love and respect. <laughs> Aww, uh, yeah. But I think, you know what I'm going to say? I know who you're going to say. And Chris, I, yeah, Chris, 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 Chris Evans. I lo- listen, nobody appreciates that butt more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, even though I'm not a beard kind of lady, he wears I mean, he it was- well. So good. As soon as you, as soon as he got on the screen, I was like, okay, but he definitely was like, he's done with this role, but you know, he wasn't really given much to do from the script, but I just felt like in his performance, he just kind of was like, not fully there. So I feel like, I wonder, I wonder if it's like, because I feel he gives everything in every performance. Every time I've seen him, he's like present, but I wonder if he just felt like taking a lower profile. Maybe, or maybe somebody, um, one idea I had was that maybe it's by design, Mm because I can't imagine that this is the level of engagement they wanted him, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's probably going to come front and center for the next movie, and maybe this movie was more Iron Man, and the next movie will be more Captain America. I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen, because he really got, like a couple lines and especially considering how popular Captain America is. And he's front and center in all of the promos, so to speak, you know, and the whole, you know, you kind of feel like, Oh yeah. So Cap's really gonna, and not so much. I mean, he just, he was there, but yeah. He just wasn't commanding his scenes as much as he usually does. So I think that was the one person I would say, I mean, like I said, I love Wakanda. Everybody, I love Wakanda. That's like, (laughs) yeah, see, I just loved the fact that we were back in Wakanda so soon because I was thinking, okay, it's going to be so long since we see till we get the next Black Panther movie. And then just being back in Wakanda, I was like, yay, I'm so happy. And there's everybody. And everybody's there. So yeah, but I definitely thought that that was the weaker storyline i felt like i wish that they would have given honestly they didn't they probably did not know that black panther was going to be such a big deal (laughs) or probably would have made it a bigger driving storyline but um i think the russo brothers were the most interested in space i think they were just excited about space and that's why that story was the strongest it seems you know i think that's probably too because i mean that's thanos's um, yeah. neighborhood, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So and I think that's one reason. It's really the star, yeah. But see, I thought Wakanda, I actually, I know, it. I mean, we spent a lot of time there and everybody really got a moment. But I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I kind of feel like... It didn't even we, feel like Wakanda. Yeah, you know yeah what it I mean? Like, like, there's the battlefield like, and there's right. the lab 
And really, that's mm-hmm. kind of it. We don't have a, you know, wonderful council thing uh, and that kind of thing. But we do. I mean, we get to see the battle. We, you know, them fighting. We get to see Shuri, uh, Shuri in her lab, like, you know, showing off all her brilliance and stuff. And that's wonderful. Um, Akoya, you know, doesn't, of course, get to do you know, all the wonderfulness. And see, that's the thing. I think we're all like, we saw so much in Black Panther and it's still so fresh in our minds, you know? So in this case, we were like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, we know this. This is yeah, good. Yeah, right. See, I wish we could even see more something else, more fabulous. But I got to tell you, though, when those whatever things were coming out of the sky headed towards Wakanda and hit that, you know, I'm not, I guess we're in spoiler land anyway, and they get repelled. I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, (laughs) that was cool. I wanted more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like kind of, but I mean, that was my issue with, I mean, like I said, I love Black Panther. Please don't come for me. But my one (laughs) issue is that I wanted to see more of Wakanda and like more of the technology and stuff. Um, But that's what future movies are for. So it was interesting to, to see the, you know, the breaching of that, Barrier. It, there was something about the battle that reminded me very much of the first um, big battle scene in the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. I was it's just like, going to say that. that. It was very yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. it was very orc-like. It had orc-like. that same feel. It's like, oh, okay, this is cool. I recognize this, you know. But that's the way it is. And, like, we want to logic it out, right? Because yeah. we want to be like, hey – if it was like me and my sister, I mean, like fuck everybody. If it's like, yeah, yeah. if it's if it's everybody versus my sister, bye guys. You know what yeah, I mean? But like yeah. from the outside, we want to kind of logic it out and be like, mm-hmm. why would you do that? Especially right. at the Chris Pratt moment yes. with Gamora. Oh, that like, oh, God. I hate I that. Like, no, I hated it. No. <laughs> that can't happen. And it's funny too because yeah, we do that. It's like I'm gonna just skip over to an entirely different. Uh, world here and go into the world of scandal where um, the storyline where, you know, he basically starts a war to get his girlfriend back. The president like starts a war to get his friend. And I think I was kind of done with the show at that point uh, for, you know, for, for, for that and other reasons. But then you see something like this and you see so many instances in this film where someone says, you know what? My love is more powerful. The world is going to almost have to burn here because there's got to be another way. I cannot sacrifice the thing I love. And and we think, no, that's not the way it is. But, you know, it makes you wonder, really, if you look at war in general, how many times has that actually happened? We we you know i mean i bet if you really got in and studied warfare and maybe there's somebody listening here who like is their big thing is studying the great wars in history and you can comment on this it's like how many started over um love or misplaced allegiance or misplaced love and how many battles were lost because of that how many people couldn't send you know how many people did, couldn't send their child to war uh or yeah. you know pull somebody out of something that where they really needed to be because they could not sacrifice the person that they loved to that so I don't know. I mean, I was looking at it and every time that thing happened, I was like, oh, no, don't you realize you've just doomed us? All? I know. You know. It's like, don't you're trying to kill us all? And it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, and Spider-Man, he almost had it off. Oh, and like, no. oh, so close. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop. Don't you realize? Stop it. Stop it. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe in the heat of the moment, people just don't don't think that way I, I don't know it didn't make sense to me <laughs> I know it's but like it, it's again. like it's a criticism like I was like is this a criticism or is this kind of just like me because one of the things I um 
And I can't do this because this was something I was rallying against when it was happening with Star Wars, with people not liking the movie just because they don't like the decisions that were made, even though they're like decisions that you can make and make sense in the story. Right. Because Mm -hmm. in that moment, if they would have gotten it off, like, where does the story go? And like, you know what I mean? So it's so in some ways I'm like, ugh, but in other ways I'm like, well, maybe that's what, you know, is is. the real, this is what the real reaction is, especially for somebody like Peter Quill. It is on brand for his character. Like they've been playing around with getting together for the last whatever years and he finally (laughs) gets her and she's dead and the guy is right here, you know, so... And I mean, and that can be wrapped up, too, in, you know, his mother. I mean, his, yeah. you know, he lost his mother. And I mean, you know, he's got issues uh, related to that we saw in the last film, you know. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible that he could totally lose it at that point. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, again, that does make Scarlet Witch's actions and that performance even more powerful when you think, you know, oh, oh man. But, you know, you know what? It's interesting, though, if we look at what happened with Peter in that instance and the glove, what happened before that when he when Gamora said, you know, promise me you'll kill. Yeah, me. He, he, he tried. He tried to do it. And yeah. That, and I love the line that Thanos says after that. It was like, you know, yeah, I like him or I like. Yeah, him I, I like you. He yeah. was willing to do it. And that was like, that's pretty powerful statement that he loved her that much that he was willing to do that. So he was willing to do it then. So, I mean, I don't understand. Yeah, why. maybe that's a whole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we discovered a whole. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, and I think, of, yeah. It's hard because yeah. part of me wants to take that moment out. Part of me is like, leave it in. But mm-hmm. it's it's hard because here's my overall kind of, it's not a critique. It's just like a question mm-hmm. about the film. It's like, I don't know. <sighs> like, I don't know. Because like part of me is like, can't we, could we have condensed this all and kind of take away those moments and make it a cleaner narrative and like give us a more compelling end? Or does it have to be this two-part situation where Mm. it feels like it's not a satisfying well it's not a but then also it goes back to this idea of what does the movie have to be because movies don't have to make you feel good they don't have to feel satisfying and I guess that's me um pushing my uh perception on the film but I I think that was my thing is I was like Mm -hmm. couldn't this feel better you know what I mean can't we have like Eat, even if it's a small beat of possibility mm-hmm. um, to kind of make this feel less traumatic or do we need that? Is that something that's necessary? You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of the thing that I wrestle with when thinking about it. I was thinking, um, yeah, because I know we kind of talked about this before and uh, I was trying, I was thinking about that point. It's like, it would it would it be possible to condense down the story or um, did, you know, did we need those moments? I think, um, I don't think you could have, I, I think you kind of have to see the struggle because mm-hmm. that's what the other films in some cases. Yeah. Make. Great, great point. Yeah. Great so point. you yeah. have to have that struggle for us to kind of appreciate the, the long game, I suppose, towards when we get to see the next film, um, 
to see the sacrifices and to see the struggles and to see the bad decisions or were they bad decisions? Because remember, we still have that that line of Doctor Strange, you know, you know, saying. So um, that maybe is the hope moment, right? It's like yes. this is how it had to be, you know. Yeah, this is how because he didn't to be. seem that he didn't mm-hmm. seem that upset about being raptured, you know. No, so. no, he kind of like it. It seemed like he was in a a mode of acceptance after he saw all of the possible outcomes and um but you didn't i love the fact that we don't get a gift we don't have really anything being given away when he says there was there's only one where we win and that he would choose that i mean or that that was what was happening so um you know i don't know but i i kind of get the feeling that we were meant to have that little hope moment uh, at the end, uh, it's like, oh yeah, he said this. We can always hang on to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. Oh my God. I, I, I have to, I can, I think that one of the reasons why I felt amazed after this was just, it was extremely artistic. It was just very well done, but also I, I have a tendency to really like tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really I have a I have an affinity for it in films so like it's not like I always like sad endings I don't I really don't but I like a well done like tragedy you know where you really see all of the 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 uh, subtle uh Differences, the, the nuances of pain and uh, love and loss and and you know victory. Even uh, I think it's a tragedy in the Shakespearean sense. Yeah, Not all Shakespeare's tragedies ended badly, right? It's like it it, it there was mu- there was more to it. So I kind of feel that about this. But at the same time, and I guess this is my other thing, is that it's also it loses its impact by design because of the Marvel machine. Like, I think as as soon as um, T'Challa disappeared, I was like, okay, well, (laughs) (laughs) a billion dollars doesn't just poof, go away. You know what I mean? (laughs) that's, That's an issue. I think that's I mean, I think. You know what? I think I do enjoy the film as a whole, or I feel like the experience was, it's a movie. I mean, it's a movie experience. Like when I went to go see it again today, it's like, it's what you want, like the ups and downs and stuff like that, even though it's frustrating. But I do wish that there was, it made it feel kind of empty to me because I was like, well, Mm. Colin's not going anywhere. Charles not going anywhere. These people aren't going anywhere. So then what were we just watching all that? Why were we doing that? Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I know that, I know what you're saying because um, I always feel that way when I'm watching a movie and the hero that you know is going to uh, come out okay in the end is threatened with, you know, death. Like, oh my God, he's going to die in a minute. No, he's not. He's not going to. It's, it's, it's a cheat, right? But I think what happens is in, in at least the ones that are well told, the story is so nicely crafted. The performances are so great. Everything about it is so good that you, or at least I, enjoy allowing myself to be taken on that ride. Like yeah. the roller coaster, you know you're not going to die, at least most of the time. I mean, really, it's like, you know, right, like, right. Uh, there's maybe a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of people who have. But there are safeties in place. So you're you're going to get your thrills. You're going to get those, you know, 
stomach and your, you know, your heart going everywhere. Whoops. You're going to get all of that, but you're not going to die. So it's just that, that fear that you <laughs> enjoy. Right. So I think a really well-crafted film, and I think this is that, uh, allows you to feel those moments of sadness and like, I mean, cause I was sobbing, uh, you know, going, Oh my mm-hmm. God, especially with Spider-Man because, Oh my God, that was this just most heartbreaking moment when he's like talking to Tony and I was just like, Oh, oh no, no. Yeah. I, was really, I think I was just saying no, no, no. And I know he's got another film coming. So I know it's like, but still, yeah. you yeah. just allow yourself to be taken on that kind of dramatic journey mm-hmm. if it's done well. Otherwise it is, comes off as goofy or, or, or at least to me anyway, it comes off as being, uh, you know, whatever. And you can allow yourself after the film to go, well, I know they're coming back or hopefully somehow in yeah. one way or another. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think that's the reason why for me, it, even in that, even with that moment, it works or it worked in this case. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a mixed bag for me. I think yeah. it, after the initial shock, I kind of made way to kind of like, not annoyance, but sort of like, okay, Marvel. But at the same time, like I said, the film itself I respect it a lot. I feel like the Russo brothers did a really great job of what they were given. I was like super impressed with a lot of the Avengers and um, especially the guardians and team space. I feel like really took it home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. I will definitely be thinking about that for a while. Like, you know, did it need another beat or did we, mm-hmm. um, and then also what are the actual consequences of this film? You know what I mean? Like who's really dead and who's not, I would say probably right. Loki is probably really dead. Yeah. Um, but about that, I don't, I just don't, I just can't imagine a movie where the two of them don't take on Thanos and kill Thanos, like yeah. the sisters, you know what I mean? So I think yeah. Gamora is probably coming back. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, do you, do we want to like, before, I think we should wrap up soon. Should we kind of just give like some really quick predictions about what we think the next movie wow. will do or what it will say? Yeah, I have a prediction. Do you want me to start? Yeah, go, go. Okay, so I have a couple predictions. One idea is the Soul Stone. So we still have the Soul Stone, and when you have the Soul Stone, you have power to take live and dead souls. So I'm wondering if that's how they're going to bring back everyone else is through the Soul Stone, and then one of the main characters is going to be sacrificed. Because people, because I mean, Mm. freaking Chris, Chris Evans has been like, keeps going on about how four is his last movie so i'm wondering if you know maybe somebody res somebody sacrifices someone for that price to resurrect everyone else that's Mm. one theory i have Mm -hmm. um another theory is that there's maybe like a pocket universe or something because i think um because we have ant-man right and they've got that little pocket interview um universe that michelle pfeiffer and all of them so i'm curious to see what ant-man says but there's like maybe they all are super tiny and they're in one of the souls or in one of the stones and then they just have to wow. kind of break them out um <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing i'm bringing some of my comic book knowledge in here too so mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> but okay. yeah so like that's kind of how the stones work is like you know and there's pocket universes and stuff and with ant-man uh-huh. 
you know, they're going to, the mother, they're going to get her back from that like little universe. And then even with, um, Dr. Strange, he's, he went to like a pocket universe as well, I believe. So I think everybody is in one of the pocket universes and then they're going to come back. I don't know how much time would have passed, but I think that's what happened to them. I don't think they're dead. I think they're like in another plane. That's my theory. Now, that's interesting since I didn't know about the pocket universe, so I don't have any theories on that end. I don't know whether I have so much theories because I have questions that, uh, like, um, the stone, what is the reality? Is it the reality stone? Reality yeah. stone. So oh. if this is a version of reality that Thanos sacrificed <gasps> for, that he wanted, because, see, we go... He sees baby Gamora, who's just the cutest thing. Oh, oh she's a beautiful little she's kid. So yeah, she's so cute. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, when he, when she asks him, you know, the question and, and, and he answered, oh, I can say it because of spoilers. When he, she asked him, you know, did you do it? And he says, yes. And what did it cost? Everything. I can't tell her expression is happy, proud, sad. And then his expression is, is kind of peaceful at the end, but. I don't I get the feeling there's that we're going to find out a something about Thanos's uh, motivations that are not I mean he's obviously complicated so that's got those motivations have to be more than just Right. And is, and is he just going to be happy to sit on his field and look out, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I just I And did he feeling. have did he have the gauntlet at the end? Um, I couldn't, I can no, I don't couldn't think. Couldn't tell. I don't think he did. They didn't show it. It was, it was framed behind, away. It? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So somewhere. So something is, there's something, I don't know where he is. I don't know where everyone is. Like, so I guess you're saying the pocket universe is maybe yeah, he I traded one for the other. The one right, he wanted back. Somewhere. Whatever. Maybe they're all yeah. living in an alternative universe reality. Mm. Wow. Um, these are my ideas. So the ones anyway, he wants, the one he wants to exist in. Yeah. yeah. I want to know that relationship between he and Gamora more and the, the, the baby Gamora. I and Nebula. Like, I feel like Nebula is going to like come through and oh, do yeah. something. Great um, character too. By also, the way. I'm loving, loving what they are doing with the Nebula character as well. Yes. Um, I think that's yeah. coming along. She also had a pretty good, she wasn't around for much, but I liked what she did when she was around. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like, that's it, right? I think that's. Yeah, I think we've covered. Da, 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 da. Oh, 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 the cameo. Uh, <laughs> the forging of Thor's hammer. I oh. have to say. <laughs> that one took me out of the film almost completely. Oh, yeah, that totally, like, that totally really? took me come out. Come on, that was, guys. That's like, come on. That's that like not like, the casting. I was no. like, whose idea was that? And I just thought, all right, let me go along. I, I got to say the performance was still fabulous, but yeah. um, it was just like, yeah. <sighs> okay. All right. Yeah. And I agree. Baby Groot. Baby Aww. Groot and Rocket too, but baby teenage Groot. Groot. Yes. Rocket. Te- teenage Groot. He was hilarious. And also his big moment was so, to me, it was, I mean, I think that was the first time I really started to tear up when his first, I mean, when he did that, I was like, Oh, oh no. Okay. No, <laughs> don't hurt yourself, baby. You know, don't hurt like, your little lips. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great too. So that was, you know, and rocket was, 
you know, Rocket was great. I love his stepping up to the that whole interaction between he and Thor was just best Bradley really Cooper role. I'm just gonna say it. Don't yeah. at me. Best yeah. Bradley Cooper role. <laughs> <laughs> so um okay all right i think that's it then yeah so cool thank uh, you guys for yes. listening thanks for listening um, and Please let comment. us know what you thought yeah yes. comment let us know what you thought of the movie if you have any theories yourself and that's it thanks for letting us come and talk to you guys hope we did a good job we'll see you guys later yeah bye see you guys bye. later thanks so i hope you liked that segment with shanae and me We had a lot of fun recording it. I wanted to take a second and tell you again about HelloFresh. I talked to you a little bit before about the toasty pesto gnocchi recipe, but I wanted to tell you about another one that I liked called Satar Crusted Grilling Cheese. It is so yummy. Uh, Look, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I know it's delicious. It's a Middle Eastern herb blend that you serve with food. It's served on top of this yummy couscous with zucchini and onion, and the veggies are roasted, and there's this delicious grilling cheese that comes with it. I mean, and all of this comes with your HelloFresh package. And there's literally no prep time because all you're doing is you're throwing a bunch of vegetables in a pan and letting it simmer and cook. Voila, you're done. Right now, HelloFresh has a promotion going with Black Girl Nerds. If you go to HelloFresh.com forward slash Nerds30 and enter the promo code Nerds30, you get $30 off your first week. Check it out. Yummy, filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 a serving. Now, you know you're spending way more than that when you go out to eat with your family and friends. HelloFresh.com, Nerds30, and enter the promo code Nerds30 for $30 off your first week with HelloFresh. Hereditary is a supernatural horror film written and directed by Ari Aster in his feature directorial debut. It stars Tony Collette, Alex Wolfe, Millie Shapiro, Ann Dowd, and Gabriel Byrne. Hereditary releases in theaters nationwide June 8th. Yeah. I'm trying to make it work, so. Looks like our levels are good. All right. Uh, well, I'm here with the cast and crew of the film Hereditary. Uh, which made its debut here at South by Southwest. Also, it was over at Sundance earlier this year. And uh, we're going to talk about it. This movie is just out of this world. And um, if you don't mind, I just want to go around, if you guys can introduce yourselves, um, just state your name, the character you play, your connection to the film. Hi, I'm Millie Shapiro, and I play Charlie Graham. Hi, I'm Ari Aster, and I am the writer-director. And I'm Alex Wolf, and I play Peter. All right, so for our listeners, can you quickly tell us what Hereditary is about? Um, well, not to be too cryptic, but, it, but <laughs> Hereditary is a family tragedy that gradually warps into a nightmare. Um, one, one, one way that I was pitching it was just to say it's about a family that goes to hell. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's a pretty intense and scary film. And Ari, last night during the Q and A, um, one of the most impressive things that I had heard from you about this film in the process was uh, you said that the interior for the house was all built from scratch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which uh, you know, 
That's unbelievable. Can you tell us about that process of how that came together and why the home had to be built from scratch? Yeah. Um, well, uh, we so we uh, we spent a few months scouting uh, locations, trying to find an actual house that could could um, serve as the uh, as as the Graham family house and, and, and I'm somebody who uh, co- composes a shot list before um, I bring anybody on to the mm-hmm. film um, and so we so we, we, we spent a few months trying to find a location that would cater to the shot list that I had mm-hmm. um, and you know I try not to be too uh too like religious about about that shot list, but 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 ultimately we we were not finding anything that mm-hmm. could could really work, and so we ultimately decided that we were going to have to build um, all the interiors on a stage, um, and so we built the the bottom floor, the second floor, the attic, and um, and the interior of the treehouse on uh, on on sound stages in Park City, Utah. Um, but because we also have, uh, and we also had to make miniature replicas of of these spaces, mm-hmm. we had to have everything designed well in advance of production, um, so that we could ha- have the miniaturist uh, right. replicate everything. And so that means that we had to have everything mapped out. Not which, so not just the uh, the the. The dimensions of the spaces, but also, what's the wallpaper? You know, what's the furniture? Uh, what 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 are the blankets on the bed? Mm. Um, on the beds, rather. Um, and uh, and and so yeah, we 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 were building everything. You know, well into shooting. Um, yeah. It was really interesting too. You had mentioned that um, the team that was behind making the miniatures was also from the film Team America. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yes, Steve Steve Newburn, um the miniaturist uh who's in 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 Toronto who also did the prosthetics for the film. Mm. Um and he's a really great artist. Uh yeah, he did miniatures for Team America <laughs> and Shutter Island and yeah. 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 It was really good work. Um Millie, this is your first feature film. It is. Yeah. And your your performance was just so compelling and terrifying at the same time. Thank you so much. <laughs> Uh, tell me about your process and how you approach playing this role. Uh, did you watch any scary movies? Did you read any scary books? Um, mostly I just figured out um, how the character was, like what their core personality was. And um, once I created like my own version of the character and got to know her really well, figured out like how she thinks and how she would react to certain things, then I talked it over with Ari and we came to like a conclusion about who the character was and then when we were filming I would just step into the character when they said action said action that was said it's not a word said action and then I would step out when they said cut nice Alex you undergo some pretty terrifying moments in this film as well Um, and seeing you go through this gamut of emotions made me feel so much fear for your character did you feel frightened at all while filming these scenes and is there a specific scene that kind of resonated with you the most um, yeah, no, I mean, I, the whole thing is pretty 
terrifying, but I, <clears throat> I actually felt more like upset by what was going on than mm. scared. I think it's, I think it's hard to get like scared during a movie necessarily because you know there's, um, nothing compared to doing it. Nothing, not at all. Like this, the most of this movie, it was whatever I had in my head of how much it would hurt or whatever it, it would surpass that when you do actually do it. You have to go through some certain stuff, but yeah. I won't give anything else away because I realize <laughs> anything else I say will have some degree of spoilers. Just yeah. like there's something that happens like 30 minutes in. Yeah, so. there's something that happens 30 minutes in that uh, that scene is particularly rough. But even the scenes where I'm just fighting with Tony or yeah. you know, just fighting with your mom is always a little traumatic. Um, so, yeah. Like, I can give that away. Yeah, yeah, of, course. yeah. No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um... Are you no, I literally said the thing that you can't say, but yeah. it's funny. It's, and, and that happens, and that's good that we have editing tools to cut that out. Good. Um, <laughs> so you'd mentioned last night as well that films like The Ice Storm, which coincidentally enough, Elijah Wood was there at the Q&A, and he's in that movie. Yeah, um, great. And then Don't Look Now were movies that kind of inspired mm-hmm. you. So what specifically about those films that inspired you on Hereditary? Well, um, you know, it, 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 I'm just going to take a second. Um, <laughs> you said the ice storm, don't leave now. Well, yeah, no, well, well, so, people. I just want to gather my thoughts. Um, you can cut out silences, right? Of course. Where <laughs> one muses thoughtfully. Um, Yes. Well, don't 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 look now was a reference for us. Um, one because it's it's a, a, a great film and one that always like really tr- troubled me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but also because it is a it's a horror film that that uh, well it, it it sort of stands uneasily as a horror film. It's it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it it's 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 really. A, just a serious drama about grief um, that that sort of bleeds into something more sinister mm. um, and you know I, 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 and I'm pretty sure that that was based on, on a Daphne du Maurier story um, Don't Look Now is a big reference for us mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and but, but we 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 would especially watch a lot of um, family dramas instead of horror films. So yeah, yeah. we watched we watched The Ice Storm. We watched um, In the Bedroom. We talked mm-hmm. about Ordinary People. Ordinary people yeah. uh, uh, Mike Lee was sort of a touchstone um, because we we really did want to cater to. Well, I really did want to cater to the family drama before right. anything else, and to make sure that that was working. Right, because at the end of the day, this is a family drama. I mean, ultimately, in the horror genre, but that's ultimately what the story's about. Yeah, and and the the uh, the goal was always to have those horror elements when they when they finally seep into the film to have them serve as as, as betrayals, really, mm-hmm. to the audience. To 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 you know, hopefully, people will invest themselves in what's what what's happening with these people so that when 
everything finally goes to shit, it, yeah. it's 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 deeply affecting and yeah. something that you can't shake off. Right. Yeah. Millie, um, last night you had said while filming this movie was entertaining for you. <laughs> what, what specifically about this, um, or what specifically was it about this experience that entertained you? Well, not many people get to say that they filmed a horror movie, and as a person who loves horror, it was really cool to see how everything worked behind the scenes, and especially because it was my first film, I had no idea really what I was stepping into, and seeing how it all played out and how everyone worked together to create something was really cool, and it was a lot of fun watching the other actors really dive into their characters, and it was just a great experience overall. Yeah. What was it like um, for you guys working with veteran actors like Gabriel Byrne and Tony Collette in this film? Well, Gabriel Byrne I worked with about seven years ago, six years ago. He played my dad on a show called In Treatment. Um, so when I found out he was going to play my dad, I was like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> uh, we, were, we were really tight then. I mean, I was 12 when we worked on that. But, I mean, it's weird. We became, like, friends. It really became, like, my dad, and we had to work. So then to come back to this, I just felt totally safe with him. Mm-hmm. And even though it was a different relationship, I felt safe to sort of go to a certain dark place and you know Tony's amazing and but, but I really felt the most impressed by working with Millie because I felt mm-hmm. you know Millie and I had the most time together and me and Millie went out uh, a bunch of times in the rehearsal period in character and would go and I'd have to do things like get her to buy a new sweatshirt and you know she was super difficult about it and there's a lot of dynamics sort of established early on so but no I mean Gabriel and Tony unbelievable but I'd say Millie was really the standout for me watching her work was really inspiring how about you? Um, it was great everyone was so welcoming all the other actors have been in a lot of films and me and Alex actually went to the same high school I'm there now and he graduated there which is very random but um, it was great just working with everyone and I got to work with Alex and Tony a lot more than I did with Gabriel and um, everyone was just really nice and welcoming, and they were so great to work with, and it was just amazing to see them work. Yeah, indeed. I did my social reaction last night after seeing the film, and I said that the sound design and the music felt like a character in the movie. Oh, great. Thank um, you. How important is it when making a horror film that you, you know, be very cognizant of things like sound? I mean those tongue clicks that was just very terrifying to listen to so talk to me about that process with the music and and sound effects well yeah I mean sound is is so important in a horror film Um, especially one like this where there's so much uh, where we're trying to build so much dread and anticipation and there's so many things happening off screen Um, but uh the the score was composed by a really brilliant avant-garde saxophonist named Colin Stetson, um, who has been doing amazing work for a long time, um, and you know for um, you know for a day job he he plays sax for bands like Bon Iver and and Arcade Fire and Tom Waits, um, but his solo stuff is really just staggering and um, I, I was listening to two two albums of his in particular while I was writing the script um, New History Warfare 2 and 3 um, 
Same. which are in- incredible. And so for me, his sound was always inextricable from the film itself. And, and so you know, attaching him to the film was a big deal. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, really um, thrilled with, with what he did here. Um, and Ari and I were, um, he showed me at the very beginning of the movie, like before we even started rehearsals at the table where he showed me, um, what's the song? Oh, uh, To See More Light. Yeah, To See More Light. That was the first song. And I was just completely transported in the movie. So that was really the first, like, I clicked, like, the Peter clicked, the whole movie clicked when I heard that song. And so then I was listening to Colin Setson between, like, every take, and we were just, I just got obsessed. It was all I listened to all day and all night. And mm. yeah, He's uh, incredible. He's incredible. He's unbelievable. Does music help connect you with characters when you're playing them? Yeah, I think it's the mo- It's the only thing. I think without it, there's there's nothing. Like, I, I the first thing I do when I a script or when I'm about to play someone is to figure out the music that I'll be listening to or figure out the music that the character listens to or whatever is the right thing um, that's that's like the first thing I do usually last question um, if you could describe hereditary in one word what would it be hereditary <laughs> um, I don't know wait come back to me I just think about this in one word Say raw. Um. <laughs> Hopefully, good. <laughs> I, uh, it's gotten a lot of positive social reactions from last night. So. Uh, Fine on that part. Evil. <laughs> Maybe disillusionment. Disillusion. Blah, I can't English anymore. But disillusionment because the whole family's ideas of what their normal life was are totally shattered and their like rose-colored glasses are removed and they see what's really going on in like the darkness of their world yeah such a great answer thank you guys thank you. appreciate it yeah. and I, I feel like I, if, if, if you want more for references I can give you a little bit more if you wanted to yeah if, you, if you're editing this yes absolutely I just say okay um and so beyond, it, okay, let's see. As far as horror films are concerned, um, there were a lot of like touchstones, uh, like Jack Clayton's *The Innocents*. Um, there are a lot of ghost movies that 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 I uh, I'm, I I screened with with my DP for like a lot of Japanese um, ghost stories, uh, like Kwaidan and Onibaba and Kuroniku and. Um, uh, and Ugetsu, uh, yeah, and 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 Polanski was 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 a touchdown, um, was a touchstone, and and always is for me. Um, even if we're just talking about aesthetics and blocking the actors in relation to the camera, um, Polanski is always somebody I'm looking at. Um, yeah, and there's a there's uh, a film that came out a couple years ago by Andrew Hay called Forty Five Years, which. Um, is uh, is 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 not a traditional ghost story, but I I think it's one of the most brilliant ever made, and I you know I, I think everybody should see that film. It's absolutely incredible. Excellent. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Fear the Walking Dead is a post-apocalyptic horror drama TV series created by Robert Kirkman and Dave Erickson. 
and it's the companion series and prequel to The Walking Dead, which is based on the comic book series of the same name by Robert Kirkman, Tony Moore, and Charlie Adler. Both, uh, there'll be a physical journey and an emotional journey for uh, all of our characters, you know, sort of, as Andrew said, going from a place of isolation to community, hopelessness to hope. And that journey will take them to uh, different places emotionally as well as geographically. And uh, I mean, one thing we are doing is perhaps experimenting with time, so it's, it's difficult to answer uh, that question about the number of days an episode. So just say you'll find out. With the addition of Morgan, because he's a veteran, um, well, zombie uh, <laughs> he's a veteran in this world. How do you feel like he would be a, a great addition to this LA cast, with, with this cast? I mean, we we set out with a very specific idea in mind of where we wanted to take the season emotionally, and uh, once we'd sort of mapped that out, uh, considering I mean, we were big fans of Morgan's character from Walking Dead and Lenny James. And uh, sort of in the way that we were charting out the season, uh, it kind of became undeniable that Morgan seemed like the perfect person to uh, intersect with the journey that we were charting. And so we're, we're very excited to hear, uh, to see how it plays out and to see how fans react to it. So I want to know Luciana's back, and she, <coughs> she mentioned she wants to be with her own. So did we go back to the next slide? Uh, I can't say, but all I know that I that I've been in Texas, <laughs> and it's 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 been really amazing to to be part of the tribe that uh, we you know that I met in Mexico. Uh, it was interesting to, that when I met everyone, they were in a foreign land and they didn't speak English. Although Strand managed to speak Spanish <laughs> at some point, and so it's really nice to now go to now a foreign land for me, for Luciana, and to be able to survive. Uh, as a family, as a unit, with the Clark family, and obviously meet new characters along the way. The show had always existed pretty squarely towards the corner of the Walking Dead universe, and you used to step closer to United Nations. Is it just a step? Is there a bigger picture sort of philosophy that you guys have been doing? I mean, I'd say um, it is definitely a step to bringing kind of the worlds closer together um, and for us, it's really about um, Morgan's journey to Fear the Walking Dead and him becoming a part of the world of the walk, Fear of the Walking Dead. Um, you know, but at the same time, he's going to change and affect the characters who we all know and fear, and, and likewise, they're going to change him, and it, it really will create something that uh, hopefully feels new and, and different. Jeff, what has it been like, though? This is not your genre, really, so I mean, what's Well, it's not <clears throat> my genre that's been the past whatever, but it, it actually was before I even knew I could do comedy. I was doing drama, and then the comedy boat went, and then I've just been on that cruise. <laughs> <clears throat> I was super honored that they came to me for this. I was really ready for a change. Something I really wanted was to lean in as a woman um, who's lived life and reared children and had a lot of experiences. I really, really was looking forward to a project where I could really lean into the human story and human emotion and, and tell a real story where I can stay in those moments 
and connect with people and really connect with humanity. And this came my way and fell into my lap and I, it's been incredible. And the writing is superb. It warms me. I love it. I get so excited for every script. And the actors are incredible. And, you know, you look at them in the scenes and you're in. And it's such a delightful experience. So I'm really enjoying it. I feel very blessed to have gotten this opportunity to delve into this character. And I think the universe that Morgan's character is bringing is massive and important. And, and I really, really, really like being part of it. I think, um, welcome to the show. I was wondering, um, we see in progress that you interact I was wondering if you could tell us about that and how well prepared your character is for this world. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was it was such a boon to be able to to be paired with uh, with Lenny right away. He's such a warm and generous actor, and I've been a fan of his for a long time. I mean, this is the man that like reopened the Globe stage, you know, in Two Gents of Verona. Like as an actor, you know, you're just like. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's he's really lovely, and um, I'm really happy their character the characters are kind of finding an interesting uh, um, shorthand between them at times. I think there is a, a sort of kinship there um, that they're discovering, um, and and yeah, and and Al is incredible. I, I love playing her. I mean, it's it's an unusually capable character um, who can even not only survive but thrive in this post-apocalyptic world because of who she was before, um, even after how much she's lost. So, uh, so yeah, I think also as a, as a woman, like finding a character that's really, um, you know, not ornamental or, you know, eroticized, that she has an agenda, that, you know, she makes dishes and decisions and, and takes actions every day to pursue that agenda is pretty Looking awesome and unusual. <laughs> um, what can you tell us about what Shreya's character is now that we're in this time jump, maybe? Well, new season, new place. What can we expect from this I think, especially because of the, the fallout of uh, season three, everyone was scattered in many ways, and we all were licking our wounds, and there was a little backbiting that happened and backdoor dealings. And now, when we find Strand, he's uh, part of a community. And he's um, trying to move forward and become something else. And he's challenged with some of the things that haunt him in the past and the choices and decisions, just as we all do. And so he's trying to move forward the best way that he can and using the tools that he knows how to survive. And, of course, some things may come up to rear their heads <laughs> if it means his survival's at stake. Uh, so um, we'll see where he is. He could be the warm and fuzzy, you know, new uncle to people and best friend, or <laughs> watch your back, <laughs> or at the same time. <laughs> I wanted to. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if the character is actually uh, Victor. Um, if you if you've already shot some scenes with Morgan, and I always wondered how Victor and Morgan would interact. Or I know you can't tell us much, but maybe before um, you could tell us like how you feel like your characters would mesh and how your characters would mesh more in this audition. 
I think I, I, th I think what I'm going to tell you what I think that our show owners have been uh, laying out and what's been important for the season is to see the question of love again and where is love and how we're trying to find it and that's what there's hope there and so where you find of all of our characters I think where we're trying to engage we're trying to find that love again and there are things in the middle of it and different needs and wants but I think that that's where we meet each other where we're trying to find a way to love again whether it's each other or someone else community um, build something again uh, but of course there's always something in the middle you know there's conflict in some way so I think that's where all of our characters is trying to find each other but at the center of it where um, I think the, the, the conversations we had in the beginning was seeing people laugh again people have hope uh, the reason that we're going forward you know uh, the reason why we have to go through all this um, mess and mire um, to to rebuild again and love harder yeah, and I mean really it was kind of the central kind of goal we had when Ian and I started working on this and we started talking to Scott Gimple about it was like we wanted to find the thing that makes surviving worthwhile and making it more than just where am I going to find a place to sleep tonight? Where am I going to find some food, some water? And, and really having a mission statement that's finding the reasons to live and, and the connections that you can make in this world. And those connections which are so fraught because you never know what's going to come around the corner, you know, what's going to put your life at risk. Um, and that's really kind of what has been really, I think, at the center of kind of every story we've, we've set out to tell this season. I mean, one of the great things about Fear the Walking Dead, the Walking Dead, the Walking Dead universe is that it lends itself to reinvention. And one of the things that we got excited about when we sort of started thinking about obstacles that our characters would encounter this season and adversaries is we really wanted to do and create something that hadn't been seen before and create a different force of opposition. Uh, and we can't tell you exactly what that, what, what form that takes, but uh, we think or hope you'll find that uh, it is very different than the adver adversaries uh, that they've been up against in previous seasons. So. And, and kind of one of our goals in creating this was to create an adversary that going up against them isn't as easy as just arming up with weapons and, and having a fight, like really trying to make a challenge that would push all the characters to dig a little bit deeper and to really test test themselves and test kind of what they believe in and, and what they're fighting for. Um, yeah, and hopefully hopefully we've achieved that. Um, I think we had a pretty bold move last season with our shows all in Spanish. I think it turned was a positive. Um, are you going to try that again? Or what was your feeling about that? I mean, that was a, a terrific episode. Um, we, we were not part of the season uh, last year. We're just coming into it now. But, I mean, we were big fans of, of the episode and of the work that was done last year. And I'd say we're, uh, we're trying to do all kinds of new things and to give the fans uh, emotionally satisfying stories uh, that are fresh and different. And so I would say to expect more of that kind of thing. Thank you.
Oh, I mean, I'd say it's uh, really, I think anyone, whether a fan of Fear of the Walking Dead, a fan of The Walking Dead, or someone who's completely new to the universe, can really kind of step in. Um, and, you know, we've got so many kind of new faces and so many familiar faces that there's a different point of view kind of represented in the episode. So it's very easy for someone to kind of latch on to a particular point of view and, and kind of experience uh, the season. So I'd, I'd say, you know, anyone who has any interest, they can jump aboard, and I don't think it'll be hard to, to kind of, uh, you know, find their footing in the storytelling. Last question. I geeked out on him really hard <laughs> <laughs> into the trailer. I was getting my hair makeup done. He walked in. I was like, hold on. <laughs> Come here. I need to hug you. Um, so I, I, I hadn't prior, but I certainly have delved in and seen, I've seen all of Fear, I've seen almost every single, short of half a season, everything of Walking Dead. So I've seen almost everything. And I'm in. <laughs> I feel very passionately about this universe and the mythology of the Walking Dead universe. I'm a giant fan. I'm a giant fan of the themes that especially what we get to explore with Morgan coming over, a lot of his themes that he's been experiencing throughout The Walking Dead storytelling, I feel a kinship with, and I feel very passionately about, and have been... I love it. <laughs> I don't know what else, like, I don't want to lean into... I love... Here's a big theme that we're exploring that I love that I know I'm allowed to say, which is those themes of, and, and Morgan has, ex, has gone through this um, leading up to this, is those themes of community versus isolation. And who, who are you in those two environments and reconciling for oneself, what's the best version of yourself in a community or by yourself? And and the, the struggles and benefits of both. And, and the deep-rooted urge to survive, weaving through those scenarios. And I'm a big fan of those themes. <laughs> uh, yeah, likewise. I mean, I, I have seen every episode of Fear and love how character-driven it is. And, and also just it's such a, a grand... Um, flexible metaphor for, for social decay, like the whole zombie genre, but this show in particular kind of wraps its arms around, you know, the, the ethical and moral compromises people make, and there's lots of interesting storytelling uh, to be done there, and and I think, I also love that no matter how much I geek out, there's this really warm and engaged community of fans who's going to geek out so much harder <laughs> and school me so hard when I, when I mess up, so I'm sure... You know, there'll be moments where I'm I'm uh, unaware. Uh, but I remember after you read 401, you sent me this very long text <laughs> that was like like a sociological treatise on the yeah, script. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, you're making us sound really smart. <laughs> this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast was brought to you by HelloFresh. 
The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. Various episodes are edited by Jamie Broadnax, M.R. Daniel, and John Bauer. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.